Hi friend, this is Alex McRobbs, founder of The Mindful Life Practice, and you're listening to the Sober Yoga Girl podcast. I'm a Canadian who moved across the world at age 23 and I never went back. I got sober in 2019 and I realized that there was no one talking about sobriety in Dubai and Abu Dhabi, so I started doing it. I now live in Bali, Indonesia, and full-time run my community, The Mindful Life Practice. I host online sober yoga challenges, yoga teacher trainings, and I work one-on-one with others, helping them break up with booze for good. In this podcast, I sit down with others in the sobriety and mental health space from all walks of life and hear their stories so that I can help you on your journey. You're not alone, and a sober life can be fun and fulfilling. Let me show you how. All right. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Sober Yoga Girl. I am thrilled to have Tasha today as a guest on the show. And I've known Tasha for a long time now, actually, and she was one of the first participants in the first ever Sober Girls Yoga Challenge I did. So it used to be Sober Girls Yoga back in the day. Now it's Sober Curious Yoga. And Tasha was in that first group in 2020. And since then, she's remained part of the Mindful Life Practice community. She became a yoga teacher. She teaches yoga for us. So she's super involved in in our community and everything we do. So I'm really excited to hear Tasha's story today. So welcome, Tasha. How are you? Thank you so much for that intro. I feel so honored. No, I'm doing great. It's so it's fun to be here. Awesome. Nice to have you here. And so Tasha joins us from the States. Maybe you could tell the community a little bit about you and kind of what you do, where you are. Yeah. So right now in St. Paul, Minnesota, um, which is the capital over here in the States, I am a public school teacher. So Um, I work with English learners and it's really cool. Like I do a lot of classroom support, but I also do a lot of connecting with families and it's really cool to kind of be integrated into the community in that way. When I got connected with, with you, Alex, and um, this community, I had been teaching internationally. And I know that's something that really like drew me into this community, particularly because there's a lot of expats in this group. And um, we were both international teachers at the time. So, yeah, I mean, that, that work has definitely like been a big part of my identity. It's brought me kind of traveling all around the world and it's something that I really bring into my work here and also just like personal interest of mine. Yeah, I grew up here. So Minnesota is definitely a place that people come back to. You'll see. (laughs) Yeah. That's so nice. What about it brings people back? I mean, it's wicked cold here, so I'm like ready to get out, (laughs) but um, it's very comfortable. Like it's, there's a um, stereotype here of like Minnesota nice and people are, it's like, that's it, like the, how would you say the nice way of saying like passive aggressive. So like people are like very friendly and like polite with each other. Like you, like if you have to get around someone like you, like no one would ever run into you. Like, I you know you're on the East coast and it's like every man for themselves. I hear people like, Oh, like, I'm sorry. Like, let me get that for you. Like, I don't know. It's, it's like very easy. I mean, obviously for some people, there's like definitely like big like divides in equity, um, which has come to light. I mean, has always been the case, but um, it's definitely more on people's minds and shown its light in the past years. Why people come back? I think a lot of people here don't leave um, is the other thing. It's like very um, like, and it's just not really a transient city. Like it's not like DC, New York where people are coming and going. Like people maybe leave, but then they just come home. Right. Yeah. 
Yeah. But then it's like my work personally, like I work all with um, immigrants and mostly um, children of children of refugees. And we do have a really large um, refugee community here. Wow. And so I work with, um, yeah, like exclusively live with, um, with those communities. And I think that's another, like a lot of these communities have formed around here and then it really draws more people with like even, like we have a huge Somali community. So people that might not be settled here will also like come for that community, which is right. pretty special. Mm-hmm. Wow. You know, I've have very little experience of the States. The one, so I did a few like childhood trips to like Florida and the, the one state that I've been to is Colorado when I was visiting Gabe, who I'm my friend I'm staying with here. He took me all around, but um, it's so funny because we have so many Americans as part of the mindful life practice community, like so many, and it's the biggest group of listeners to this podcast is Americans. And I have like, I feel like I have zero context of the States. <laughs> so even as I'm asking you about Minnesota, I'm like, I can't even picture where on the map this is. So I definitely post COVID would really like to do like a States tour and come visit you guys and actually see kind of what you're talking about. Well, we're neighbors. You could actually drive in. So we're neighbors, Ontario and Minnesota are neighbors. I don't know Ontario, but Minnesota and Canada. Oh, oh, it's on the border. Yes. What province is it on? Does it border with? Do you know? I think we'd be nearest to like, I don't know what's the province, what's the city, but Saskatchewan and Saskatoon. Yeah. I don't know. I think that sounds right though. Yep. So Saskatchewan, there. Saskatchewan is the province and Saskatoon is the city, but I only know that because Neve is from there who teaches for us. And I kept messing it up and then I learned from her. So, okay. So that's a little bit to the... Like we have Saskatchewan and then Winnipeg and then Winnipeg, Manitoba, and then Ontario. It's a few provinces order over. Yeah. Saskatoon seems like it's next to nothing. So, (laughs) (laughs) so let's get into, I was wondering if you could give us a bit of context into your drinking story. Yeah. So I guess I'm going to start. I would start where it ended because I don't think before I stopped drinking, I really was very mindful of it until I kind of did that work of like taking a break from it and then realizing what impact it really had up until that point. Um, so yeah, as you kind of mentioned in your introduction, like I had done, you, you offered this like 30 day yoga and sobriety challenge. And I remember at the time when I found it, like it wasn't something I was looking for at all. And I was, I don't know if you're familiar. I'm sure we've talked about the Whole30 program. It's just kind of a nutrition reset. And it's something that I have like a practice that I've been doing for years. It's like you cut out alcohol, sugar, dairy, like every food and substance that like can cause people um, inflammation. And then the idea is that you reintroduce the thing slowly and kind of see the impact it has both on your physical body and your mind. And so usually I do that like every February, but it was June of that year. And that was the like June, 2020. So like a few months into the pandemic and I just gotten into like a really bad, like, like just unhealthy rut of like, you know, being in all the time and like drink, definitely like drinking a lot of wine. Cause I was, um, I was in this long distance relationship. So we would like watch movies and it would be like, we had a time difference. So it'd be like noon, my time. I'm like, Oh, it's like movie popcorn and wine. Like that was like what I was doing like every noon. Um, so I was just like feeling a little like icky in general. So I did this, um, so I was going to do the whole 30 anyways. And then like through Instagram or Facebook, I saw, I found your stuff 
and this challenge and I was like oh well like I'm not drinking anyways and like I I've always practiced yoga but I had kind of not been like in my like most consistent practice at the time so I was like oh perfect like and I remember like talking to my mom about it like not even about the sobriety part I'm like do you think this is a scam like, should I just do this? like <laughs> whatever uh, like what's the worst that can happen so I did the challenge and um at the time it was structured in a way that um it was like just that for you had your personal commitment of doing yoga every day and not drinking which was like pretty easy for me I'd done kind of this sort of practice before and then the other part of it was we had a um group specifically of people that were doing the 30-day challenge and we met once a week and so that was the first time I'd ever really talked like reflected on my drinking and also talked to others about it and through the process of that um like it really clicked to me like what what aspects of drinking were really like harmful Mm -hmm. harmful to me and harmful you know to others in my life and yeah like I said it wasn't a way where I was like had come to that conclusion before stopping where I was like oh like I'd never been a person who's like oh I need to cut back or whatever like I never had those thoughts before but when I was going through this process where I was really mindful of it um like I had to kind of be responsible for um these actions that I had done up to then and I'd realized like so then going back to more of the beginning like I um I like started trying alcohol and drinking when, like very young like when I was in like fifth and sixth grade so like elementary school and then like wow. and then when I was I remember like telling that to our group and that like breaking my heart because now being a teacher and seeing kids like I literally work with fifth graders and I know they do like I have a I have a fifth grader who's like told me stuff he does and I'm like oh my god but and he's puny and then I'm like that was literally me you know yeah so wow I think that's that like that was really heartbreaking to, to realize. And then I kind of started to reflect on that, like all of my young drinking experiences were really about building relationships. Like that's kind of like how I became friends with a lot of people and, you know, like going to parties in high school and, and then kind of up through college, like it was definitely a big part of the culture and, and beyond. Um, teaching internationally like you know we you're like mostly friends with the people you work with and so it'd just be a really like routine thing of working and then like on the weekends like you know wine and pizza we had like a game wine pizza every Friday and then just like at work events and whatever so um it like clicked to me that like a lot of my social development was tied to drinking Mm -hmm. and and from an age you know like way like from puberty essentially through like adulthood like I had really like depended on alcohol for pretty much all of my relationships like I couldn't think of a single relationship I had that like hadn't had some sort of connection with alcohol and of course like I have friends that like I would also hang out with and not drink like it wasn't like that was like the only thing that was binding us together but um once I stepped back I realized that like I didn't I wanted to build the skills to be able to build friendships, like build relationships, like date, do all these things, like where it was like really just about me, not about the alcohol. And here yeah. we are. <laughs> wow. And I love how you kind of stumbled into it. And it's like a reflection that you had in hindsight, because I think, I know there were elements of my time when I was drinking where I really wanted to quit and I would be Googling it, but I think it was 
really only after I was, you know, 10 days sober, two weeks sober, that I really had these similar reflections and insights that, that you did, you know? And I think that sometimes that's what happens is like you take a break from it and then you all of a sudden it kind of sinks in and you realize like, wow, this is really not helping me become who I want to be. No, exactly. And I mean, like I definitely had, so like my dad has been sober my entire life. Like I'm 28. So he's probably been sober for like over 30 years. Wow. Um, And so that was, and it was almost something that I was kind of embarrassed of growing up. I remember because all the other like neighbor, we'd have a lot of neighborhood parties and like, I was just very close with my neighborhood and it would always be like the adults drinking. And and, like, I kind of felt like, and my mom would like have wine coolers, like, but she was just never a big drinker either. So like, I always kind of felt embarrassed. Like my parents were kind of on the outside of that. Wow. And then, yeah. So it's interesting kind of like being older now and have, and being able to see like, oh, well, like I can also see how like this person's drinking affected their kids, you know? Yeah. That is so amazing how deeply ingrained it is into our culture that you would notice that about your parents and feel embarrassed, Um, you know? And that's so interesting. When I was growing up, my parents didn't really socialize that much. So I think I just wasn't around. I don't think I was around the parties enough to see it, but there was a lot of drinking at home, you know? Um, but I don't think I was around other parents enough to like compare what my parents were doing as opposed to others, you know? Yeah. And then I think like, yeah, I think the other big piece of like, once I started reflecting on that, like realizing that and then seeing it in other people and then also reflecting on, like I was in a relationship in college where like my partner's drinking was a very big problem and like is ultimately why we broke up. And just at the time thinking it was okay. Not like, like at the time I knew it was not okay. Cause that's why we broke up. But mm-hmm. for so long, like making excuses about it and like dealing with it. Whereas like now I know I would see them be like, absolutely not. Um, which is part of like me growing up and like going through that experience and learning about that. But then also me just having a different mindset about alcohol. So, right. so tell me about once you quit drinking, how did your life change? it was such a transitionary period anyways, which I think is what made like my, I think it made it very easy for me to let it go. So when I stopped, I was like temporarily living with my parents. I didn't know what was going. I was supposed to be going back to my job in Abuja. And then when I was living with my parents, I was really locked down. Like I really didn't socialize much because of COVID and my mom has, um, is immunocompromised. So we were like really locked down. My family doesn't drink. So it was a very easy, like transition for me. But I didn't tell my family, like, and I don't even know, like, I told them, like, a few weeks ago at Thanksgiving, like, my family didn't realize, and I don't know what that's about, but, like, I slowly started, like, getting out more, but it was all kind of, like, piece by piece, and, like, I went and I stayed with my friend in Turkey for a while, and, like, she's a close friend, and it was, like, we would go and grab drinks, and she would get a drink, and I wouldn't, like, it wasn't a big deal ever and I, we weren't partying and it, it just like it wasn't there I just didn't have a lot of pressures and then when I moved back here like I that's when it kind of it wasn't like more challenging to keep up the drinking but I had to really reflect on like what I was doing and that like a lot pretty much you know all of my friends here from before were really party friends and there was also distance since I hadn't lived here for a while so it was like if I wanted to go back with those friends that also would have been effort like 
because I just been distanced for a while. But I had to be really mindful about like building friendships and like who right. I was like, putting effort into building friendships with, um, which was really challenging. Um, like, I don't know, for anyone who like moved somewhere new. Um, and even though it wasn't new, I was like reconnecting with old friends. But um, I think because it was like this transition, it made it easy to like, I, I guess I told people like, oh yeah, like I've like stopped drinking, whatever. And then the people that I had chose to be friends with were like not huge partiers and it just like was never an issue and people were really supportive. It's definitely, and then it's like partially the pandemic because like when I was in Abuja, like we were partying every weekend and that was very much the culture there. And it's like, if I had gone back there, would I still be doing that? Maybe not because of the pandemic. And so like that culture shift because of the situation has also been really helpful. Right. So my biggest pride or what's changed the most in me since stopping to drinking um, is that friendship piece. And I know that's what I was talking a lot about um, and reflecting on like why I was thinking that the drinking was such a problem is that like, I've made so many friends in this past year that have all been like, because it's like just been me, like my genuine authentic self because the alcohol has been removed from the picture. Um, and like, I've made a lot of friends like at parties where other people have been drinking and I'm really comfortable being out. However, puts in this piece of follow-up that was really missing before, because when you're drinking and you like are at a party and you're like vulnerable and sharing stuff with people that like is inappropriate. And then like, you're like embarrassed or you don't want to see them ever again, or there's just no like authentic connection where it's like Mm -hmm. a lot of the friendships I've made, it's like, okay, like there's like just something a little deeper and genuine there because there isn't that alcohol filter I don't know how to say so then like it just leads to more follow-up and yeah absolutely it's so true because when you are sober your choices are intentional and your connection is authentic and I totally totally agree with that it's like you just have these deep friendships like I was honestly was thinking as you were talking like it's so weird to me that we've never met in person because I just feel like I know you so well now like it's and like you know these friendships and these connections as part of our you know sober community like it's the same type of thing it's just built on so much like real realness to it exactly and that's what I really I mean it's like funny because just like there's some people that I talk about this group with but I pretty much frame it in the yoga like because people can like people understand yoga better and I I don't share about like my sobriety so much with like I tell people I don't drink but I don't really like tell the story or like like what I do for it um unless they ask but yeah to be like oh yeah I have all these friends online and I'm like but I feel (laughs) like so connected um to you all and I think something that we talked a lot about like when we started this group and I just remember or when I joined this group is um, like, we were talking a lot about like how we define ourselves as like, cause I remember at first, like you would always say alcohol free. Um, yeah. And like people in our group really like stayed away from the term sober. And I feel like it's viewed as such a deficit. Mm-hmm. And like, as I said, like how I viewed it in my dad and whereas it's like the reality of it is like, it honestly does feel like such I don't know, opposite deficit. I'm like literally an English teacher and I don't know what it is. (laughs) But but it's really additive. And um, yeah, like having these like rich groups and friendships in a way that like, you know, I feel like given like the people that I've known in my life who have gone through AA and these different things where I like 
really had a judgment or stigma about it because it just felt like really, I see people who are really connected on each other, but it felt very dependent. And I felt like very cautious of that. And so I never like, I don't think I would have ever sought something like that out. Whereas it's like our, the group that we formed here, like it, it from day one was always like, yeah, just really genuine connections. Yeah. And Absolutely. You know, I spent time with someone today who she described it as I'm choosing not to drink. That was how she just kept saying, like, I choose not to drink. And I love that because she is really putting it in. It's like positioning it from a place of power where like, it's like she is making an active choice to not drink. And it, it's, you're right that using the, rather than using the term sober, which, you know, for every person, they can choose their own word, but sober does have that, that association of like, oh, you have to be sober. And you're like, no, I'm choosing this. <laughs> so. Well, and I think for me too, like I get really turned off by rules. Like if I'm like an authority, like if I, there's like one person who's like leading something or there's like certain rules you have to follow, like I really resist against that. Um, and I feel like that's the only way that like sobriety has been successful for me because yeah, it's always been like, like I, I literally stumbled into it, but then I was like, I like this and I want to keep like living in this way in the same way that like, I would like, I like doing yoga and yoga makes me feel good. So I want to keep doing it and like other lifestyle choices. Yeah. Absolutely. Switching that perspective from like really additive to rather like, I think that like really limits people into entering sobriety because they're scared of missing out on things and like not focusing on what they're like would gain totally yeah like I'll catch myself doing that all the time too of like oh this like imagine vacation where I'd be in a vineyard and all this stuff and I'm like I can still do that experience also you know Mm -hmm. so yeah I remind it like really holds on to things even if they're just perceived yeah So tell me about what you're doing now. I know you're a teacher, but you're also kind of building some other things on the side. So tell me a bit about that. Yeah. So I was just telling um, Alex before we started chatting today um, that I just got accepted into a grad program for creative writing, um, creative writing nonfiction. So I'm really excited about that. And then it also has a piece to it that is, um, it's this kind of like newer field um, called narrative medicine. So my dream is to kind of build this writing practice that will kind of integrate theories of literature and writing, journaling, and yoga into kind of more of a healing style course. Um, I mean, I think a lot of people really like know and know that there's benefits to writing that are um, like healing, but a lot of, you know, there's not a lot of structured um, like courses or groups that I've seen. Like it's really usually like writing in order to build the skill of writing, not like writing for self-healing and for just like feeling good so that's one thing I'm working on and so I'm hoping my studies will help me to um, build that practice and Alex has been a great coach through that process so check her out (laughs) (laughs) what else I'm working on a podcast with a friend also so also learning a lot from what you're doing over here and the idea around that is talk it's kind of about um, multilingual people and their experience um, kind of navigating between different languages and in totally different contexts. Also kind of a sh- people sharing their story type project. And apart from that, just working on getting out of the cold, <laughs> making moves into the next year. 
Um, and then also like just appreciate and enjoying my life while I'm here. So that's all amazing. It's so incredible. And it's been so cool to just kind of see your journey over the past, however long we've known each other now, a year and a half. And I'm super excited to hear what's to come with your new program and podcast and business and all of that. So. Yes. Thank you so much. And yeah, I mean, it's like, like I said, like I'm not very vocal about sobriety, but I like definitely know that taking that piece out of my life and letting it open space for like, it definitely opened space for creativity Mm -hmm. and these other things that, um, just really we're missing. So I'm really grateful for that for sure. So I have one more question for you. If you had any piece of advice or any wisdom for someone that is curious about being alcohol free, what would you suggest? I think just try it. Like, you know, everyone can figure, figure it out what, what works for them and what doesn't. And I think, you know, like you said, you were like Googling how to do it and you did all this research and what I think we were both saying was what kind of made it solidified was the actual doing it and then reflecting on it. So, I mean, there's definitely like a lot of little pieces. Like I did a lot of learning, like by re- like I, we did, we used to do book club. So I remember like yeah. reading and actually learning a lot of information um, that really helped solidify things. And then the community, like having all of these little pieces, the yoga, like all of it solidified it for me, but I definitely wouldn't have even gotten here to begin with if I hadn't just tried it to begin. So, yeah, I love it. So simple. Just try it. Yeah. Amazing. Well, Tasha, thank you so much for coming on the show. It was really lovely to sit down and hear your story and your experience and, um, and just connect and chat. And I'm, I'm really, really grateful for your friendship and being part of the community. So thank you. you. I love this group and I love everything we do here and love working with you and being your friend also. So thank thank you. you. (laughs) And if anyone's listening, Tasha teaches yoga for the mindful life practice. She teaches in the Eastern standard time zone in the evening. So check out one of her classes next season. Our new winter season starts in January. Yes, for sure. would love to have you. We're pretty chill class. So (laughs) super fun. All right. Take care and uh, we'll catch up soon. Exactly. Happy New Year. You too. Bye. Bye. Hi, friend. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Sober Yoga Girl Podcast. This community would not exist without you, so thank you for being here. It would be massively helpful if you subscribe to this show and leave a review so that we can reach more people. And if we haven't met yet in real life, please come hop on Zoom at the Mindful Life Practice because the opposite of addiction is connection. Sending you love and light wherever you are in the world.